0: God bless you, and welcome to Yesterday Ended. I'm your host, Dennis Dobbin. Thanks for joining me today. How do people think about you? And how do you think about yourself? Knowing that you are loved by others is empowering, emancipating, emboldening, and embracing, just to name a few wonderful aspects. But of all those who could love us, to know that God loves us already and always gives the greatest impact. So let me ask you, do you believe that God loves you already and always? What is the attitude of God towards you? To be set free from our past and its traumas, we must come into that realization of his great love. So is the goal of my podcast today. Give a listen. My father died when I was 13 years old. I remember comparing my dad to the dad of my best friend when I was probably about 8 or 9 years old. I remember thinking how cool my dad was in comparison. Yet on my 43rd birthday, my mother apologized to me about my dad not being demonstrative in his love. That's the very word she used. My dad was always present physically, but emotionally he was somewhat distant. I had no doubt of his love for me, but I have no remembrance of him playing with me on a personal basis in my youth. He was never violent or verbally abusive. I miss him to this day. In my life, as I have grown in my Christian walk, my Heavenly Father has always put me close to wonderful male leaders who could be somewhat of a father figure to me. So to have a close relationship with my Heavenly Father has meant so much to me. To recognize his undying, unabashed, and unbridled love for me has been his greatest gift. Four weeks ago, the title of my podcast was Beside, Not Beset. I've done a little twist on that today. Today's podcast and poem are entitled, Beloved, Not Beset. As you sit next to the Father upon his throne, remember his love of you is always shown. He does not sit there thinking of your last sin. He ponders his plan of you that always has been. What in you is broken the Lord wants to mend. Being apart from him is not your intended end. A hope and a future he wants to bring about, know and receive his love without a doubt. He sees you conformed to the image of his Son. Remember and bask in this truth, you are his beloved one. The blood of Jesus, our sins and faults, wash away. Turn and approach and embrace the Father this day. A couple of days ago, I was pondering the love of God and how the Lord deals with us when we stumble or falter from his will. The Lord opened my eyes to show that his love is great enough to endure being betrayed. In most countries, the greatest criminal act is called high treason. High treason is an act of betrayal. It is to violently oppose one's ultimate sovereign, such as a president or king. In the Bible, in the book of Genesis, it gives the account of the fall of mankind by Adam's act of betrayal in disobeying the only commandment that God had given him, do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Yet right after Eve was deceived and Adam disobeyed that command, the Lord did not immediately wipe them out and start over with someone else, Instead, he comes to work with Adam and Eve to bring them back into his presence. We pick up the record in Genesis chapter 3, verse 8. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. Adam and Eve recognized that they have fallen from their proper relationship with God. And they have hid themselves from his presence. But notice how it describes the Lord God. He is walking in the garden in the cool of the day. It almost seems as though the Lord is nonchalantly strolling through the garden as if nothing had happened. He is bringing his presence to Adam and Eve who are hiding from him. In this moment of great sin, the Lord approaches them and seeks them and then the Lord asks that first question. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where are you? I have taught about this question recently. It is an enduring question as to where we are, not physically, but spiritually and mentally. God called unto Adam. God knew exactly where Adam was, hiding off in the trees, But did Adam recognize where he was? This is Adam's response. And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Adam was not afraid because when he heard the voice it was angry and thundering. There's no mention of God's emotional response. This is all on Adam. Disobedience causes fear within our lives, and unfortunately that fear usually causes us to hide from God instead of going to him to ask for forgiveness and strength not to stray again. As I ponder God's response to Adam's act of high treason, I am amazed at his patience and the display of his love and mercy. He does not yell at them. He does not scold them he asked them about their actions we see that in verse 11 and he said who told thee that thou wast naked hast thou eaten of the tree whereof i commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat and the man said the woman whom thou gavest to be with me she gave me of the tree and i did eat unfortunately adam is not doing too well that day Not only has he committed high treason, but then he blames it on God by saying, The woman whom thou gave me to be with me. It's your fault. He blames God for giving him the woman, but then furthermore puts the blame on her because she gave me of the tree and, oh yeah, I did eat. But it's not my fault. It's your fault. Speaking of God's patience, he ignores Adam's shifting of the blame, but simply turns to Eve to talk to her. And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. At least Eve is honest. I got tricked. Unfortunately, too many of us fall into that category. We have been tricked by what Ephesians calls deceitful lusts. Trouble is, we're still disobedient. So at this point, the Lord goes to the main source of the problem. He confronts the serpent. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Here at this point, the Lord condemns the action of the serpent and tells him of his demise, and at the same time gives a glimpse of a coming Savior, the seed of the woman, who will bruise the head of the serpent. Adam has committed high treason, and Eve has not fought against the onslaught of the serpent, but allowed herself to be deceived. But at this point, the Lord doesn't say that he is going to give up on Adam and Eve. Instead, verse 15 is a prophetic utterance of the coming of the Messiah, our Lord Jesus Christ. At this point, after this declaration of hope and victory over the serpent, the Lord does finally address the consequences of their sinful action. On the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow... Thorns also, and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat of the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return unto the ground, for out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust thou shalt return. There will be sorrow, and there will be challenges, and there will be death. But God does not stop there, He has told them of someone that would come and defeat the serpent who beguiled Eve. But in verse 21, we see a great act of love and mercy. Unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothed them. Back in verse 7, Adam and Eve had made themselves aprons out of fig leaves. They recognized something was missing from their lives. They needed a covering of some sort. It says earlier in Genesis that God formed man of the dust of the ground, breathed into him the breath of life, and created him in his own image, which is spirit. Holy Spirit is our true covering. At this point, they have died spiritually and are beginning to die physically. But in verse 21, we see God begins to intervene and to make a way back into his presence. The only way to make a coat of skins is that something must die and bleed. This is the first record of sacrifice. God teaches Adam how to bring a lamb for a sacrifice. If you look at the sacrifice throughout the book of Genesis and the rest of the Old Testament, you will see that the sacrifice was First, a lamb which brought cleansing and forgiveness. Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Genesis 3.15 and Genesis 3.21 are the first prophetic utterances concerning the coming of the Messiah. This record helps me to recognize the depth of God's great love and mercy. Faced with direct disobedience of his only command, God does not reject Adam, but shows him a way back into his presence. When we falter or stumble from the path of life shown us by our Lord Jesus, our Heavenly Father does not turn his back upon us. Again, as we consider the record of the forgiving father and the prodigal son, the father was waiting and looking for his son to return and promptly forgave him and blessed him with much. He embraced him. He did not condemn him. The son came to repent, and the father immediately received him into his home again. In my poem, I partially quote Jeremiah 29.11. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. God has thoughts of peace towards you, not of evil. This is quite clear. And this was spoken to Israel, who was going into captivity at the time. Unfortunately, they were reaping the consequences of their actions, but eventually there was going to be a huge blessing. Sometimes God can even circumvent consequences of our sin. How quickly will we repent and turn to him? He is gracious and merciful, and slow to anger, the word says. Again, his intent for us is clearly stated in Romans chapter 8, verse 29. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. God made you a new creation and placed you in Christ. He's not dealing with your sin. He's dealing with your heart to turn to him and embrace him. You do not need to be beset or hindered by any sin in your life. You need to recognize you are beloved. You are beloved. He sees you conformed to the image of his Son. Remember and bask in this truth. You are his beloved one. The blood of Jesus, our sins and faults, wash away. Turn and approach and embrace the Father this day. Let His love sink into your heart this moment. I recognize it's easy to mess up, but it's just as easy to step up boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We need to stop being so sin-conscious and start being love conscious. As you read through scripture, look at the different accounts and see how God responds in love. It's even there in the time of the law in the Old Testament. Now in the age of grace, we have the benefit of the blood of Jesus to cleanse us from all sin. It's not a time to misuse God's grace and mercy. It is a time to bask in that grace and mercy and realize we can always go back to the Father. As the prodigal son returned, so can we. Thanks for listening today, and please join me on my Facebook page Yesterday Ended. I look forward to hearing your comments and beginning a dialogue together. If you'd like to contact me directly, my email is dmdobbin at sbcglobal.net. God bless you.